My friends, grace, mercy, and peace are yours in abundance through the merits of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That grace, mercy, and peace is ours to have. It's ours to hang on to, but let's never forget. It's also ours to share with the people with whom we live, work, and play. This morning, I'd like to direct your hearts and minds to the words of our Lord that have been recorded by the Apostle Paul in a letter that he wrote to the saints or the Christians living in Corinth. It's recorded for us in chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. And so we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in, lo- and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So far the word. My friends, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. In his grace, God chose you above all people to declare his amazing and forgiving love to all people. He was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He died in Phoenix, Arizona. His career spanned over 50 years. Millions tune into his daily broadcast. And what endeared him so much to his listeners was his ability to take a little known story or a little piece of history and then tell the rest of the story. His radio name was Paul Harvey. And for 33 years, he came into our vehicles and into our homes with his catchy voice. Paul Harvey broke every rule of good homiletics. He talked way too fast. His sentences were oftentimes run on, sometimes very pithy. Okay? He would announce to his listeners page two and page three. But he was one of the best storytellers of our times. And do you remember, if you're over 30, do you remember how he used to end his every broadcast? He would say, this is Paul Harvey, and now you know the rest of the story. Good day. You see, it's the rest of the story, which is so often the most important part of any story. The story and the rest of the story are like two bookends. One bookend very seldom ever gets the job done. Imagine if God had not told us the rest of his story. Imagine if God's story had stopped on that Friday you and I call good. If that's all God told us, we would be doomed. Our every sin would be strapped to our shoulders. Our guilt would overwhelm us. Death in the grave would destroy us. And hell would be our final go-to hot spot if God had told us just the story. 
But God has told us the rest of the story. Using the words of the Apostle Paul, Jesus was put to death for our sins, story, and he was raised again to life for our justification or for our forgiveness of sins. People, it's the rest of the story that assures us that our sins are fully and freely forgiven. It's the rest of the story that assures us that our guilt was nailed to his cross. It's the rest of the story that assures us that death and the grave have been defeated. And now heaven is open to you and to me and to every sinner who trusts solely in the merits of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for his whole story of his amazing and forgiving love. And throughout the church here, throughout the church here, you are privileged to be able to view God's grace and all its gore and all its glory. You are here at Divine Savior. But it's during the season of Pentecost where we ask the Holy Spirit that he would grant to you and to me the power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And that's why on this Sunday of Pentecost 17th, we ask the Holy Spirit that he would energize us through the message of his cross and empty tomb to share this story with others. And that's why, in keeping with your theme for the month, it is with love for others that saints still tell the whole story. Page one, why God became poor. Page two, why they are rich. And page three, why we give grace gifts. Page one, our story has some pretty humbling beginnings. We weren't much to look at. Our hearts preferred Satan rather than the Savior. We were not the brightest batch on the block. Our names were not recorded in any who's who, nor did we have any noble or royal blood flowing through our veins. In the eyes of the world, we were, and maybe still are, a bunch of plain Janes and plain Johns, nothing really special. But look at what God did. Before time began, he elected you to become his saints. Here in time, through a handful of water connected to the word, he selected you to be his saints. He has enlightened your mind so that you know the meaning of Jesus' crib, his cross, his empty crypt, and his ascended cloud. And then he writes your name in his will. (gasps) Why? God's grace. How? God's grace. For what reason? So that you and I might share his amazing and forgiving grace with people in Missouri City, Texas, to the ends of the earth. People, we got a story to tell. It's a story from rags to riches, from ugliness to beauty, from slaves to saints, from being hell-bent to being glory-bound. That's our story. And this is the story we have to share with people around the world. 
St. Paul wrote 1st and 2nd Corinthians to encourage the saints in, in Corinth to follow through on their good intentions. And that was to give and to gather an offering for the poor and the persecuted saints in Jerusalem. And now mind you, mind you, Paul was asking Gentile saints to come to the aid of Jewish saints. Talk about a cultural clash. Talk about distance. (laughs) Why would they? Why should they? And yet Paul does no arm twisting. Paul doesn't lay a guilt trip on them and say, I'm going to tell your parents if you don't give, or you better give or get out, okay? He doesn't use any man-made ploys or human means. He doesn't hold a carrot before them and say, hey, guys, I'll match whatever you give, all right? He simply says to the saints in Corinth, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, to move them, to motivate them, Paul simply points to the grace of God in Christ. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. See, That's why with love for others, saints still tell the whole story. Page one, why God became poor. Perhaps you can relate to this story that was once told by Paul Harvey. A farmer in South Dakota developed a love affair with a group of sparrows. Every morning he would put some food beneath his windowsill and his little feathered friends would gather for the feast. One night on the radio, he heard about a severe storm that was brewing in the Rockies and would be in the the Dakotas by midday. And immediately, the farmer thought of his feathered friends because he knew if they didn't find shelter, they would perish in the storm. So he puts his coat on. He goes out to the barn. He opens the door, turns the light on, and puts the food beneath the light, hoping that they would find their way in from the storm and be safe. When he got up the next morning, he looked out his window, and there they were huddled beneath the window. He knew they were going to perish. So he puts his coat on again, and this time he goes down and he tries to chase the sparrows into the barn for their own safety. But the harder he tried, the worse it got. They flew everywhere but into the barn. Finally, the old farmer gave up. He goes back inside the window. He looks out at his little feathered friends, knowing full well they were going to perish soon. And he says to himself, you know, if I wanted them to trust me, I'd have to become like one of them. And if I became like one of them, I could lead them into the barn for their own safety. But who would ever give up what they have to save a group of sparrows? Would you? Fellow saints, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, Though heaven was his home, though all the angels worshipped him, okay, though he was the owner and the operator of this universe, yet for your sakes he became poor. Poor. He wrapped himself in our flesh and blood. The creator did. He wrapped himself in our flesh and blood. He was born in a barn. He lived in poverty every day of his life. And while he lived in poverty, he lived in innocence. Do you know he never talked back to his mom and dad? 
He never talked bad about his neighbors. He never cheated on a spelling test. And he never teased his siblings or bullied his classmates. In poverty, he lived for us. And in innocence, he died for us. People, that's not fair. But that's grace. And you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. It is with love for others that saints still tell the whole story. Page one, why God became poor. Page two, I hope you realize that Jesus was not in this for himself. He didn't walk out the door of heaven one bright sunny day and say, Father, I want to go for a walk. I want to see some of the sights on planet Earth. That wasn't it at all. Rather, he looked at his clock. He looked at the calendar and said, Father, it's time for me to go. The world needs me. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to atone for their sins. I'm willing to spend as long as it takes to redeem them from death and the devil. And Heavenly Father, if you want me to go to hell so that those who trust in me will go from earth to heaven, I'm willing to do that. Okay? Say, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Why? so that you and me, through his poverty, might become rich. That's why it's with love for others that saints still tell the whole story, page two, why they are rich. Now, if this story, which is our story, is to ever get beyond these walls, we need to find out who the rich people are here this morning. If you ask me, Pastor, are you rich? My first inclination would be to say no. My W-2 form is not very impressive. When you hear the word rich, you think of, you think of the Bezos, you think of the Gateses, you think of the Trumps, you think of the Winfrey's. They're the ones that have the cash. They have the cars. They have the clothing. They live in the mansions, not me. Right? Not you. Right? But there is more than one way to determine whether or not a person is rich. Do you remember the name, or the, do you remember the story that Jesus tells us about the rich poor man and the poor rich man? It's recorded for us in Luke chapter 16. You might want to read it later on today. But can any of you tell me the name of the rich poor man? You know, the guy who had the fancy clothes, the fast chariots, and all the toys? That guy. The guy who lived in the mansion. He whined and dined every day of his life. And when he dies, everybody in town comes to his wake, and the mayor gives the eulogy at his funeral. What was his name? Jesus doesn't tell us. Do you know why? Because this man was spiritually poor in life. And this man is eternally poor in hell. He was the rich, poor man. On the other hand, what was the name of the poor, rich man? You know, the guy who had a bag for using leftover slices of bread? 
the guy who could not afford urgent care, and so the dogs, the wild dogs, came and licked his wounds. Their saliva became his aleve. Okay? What was his name? And chances are that there was no mayor who spoke at his funeral, and they, they probably took his body and threw it out on the bulky trash day to get rid of it. But when this guy closed his eyes in death, the Lord God Almighty sent his angels to transport his soul safely from earth to Abraham's side, heaven. What was his name? His name was Lazarus. And you know what his name means? The Lord is my help. Am I rich? Are you rich? Are we rich? My friends, with Jesus in our hearts and a dollar to our name, we are the wealthiest people in the world. And look at the love that God has lavished on you. To think of it that you guys should be called the children of God, and this is who you are. That's why it's with love for others that saints still tell the whole story. Why, page two, why they are rich. Page three, it is through the offerings and the gifts of the saints of the past that has enabled the message of God's grace to reach your hearts and your homes. It is through the offerings and the gifts of the saints' presence that the message, excuse me, that the message of God's grace can be heralded here in Missouri Synod Uh, throughout Texas, throughout the U.S. of A., and to 50 foreign lands. That's the purpose of grace gifts. And that's why the Apostle Paul encourages the saints here at Divine Savior in these words. Just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. That's why with love for others, saints still tell the whole story. Page three, why we give grace gifts. And let me answer it this way. What can we give God, the God who has given us his all, and the God who has given us our all that he already doesn't have? Well, let's see. He's given us our time, our talents, and treasures. He's given us our family, our food, our faith in him as, as our Savior, our fellowship of believers. It's, it's all his. So, what can you and I give him that he doesn't already have? The answer, our thanks. Our thanks. In your grace gifts, whether they are big ones or whether they are small ones, they say loudly and they say clearly, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That's why with love for others, saints still tell the whole story. Page three, why we give grace gifts. And finally, my fellow saints, you know not just the story. You know not just the rest of the story. You know the whole story. You know why God became poor. 
you know why you are rich. And you know why you give grace gifts. It is this story that our world so desperately needs to hear, know, and believe. And so let it be with joy in your hearts, with praise on your lips, with thanksgiving in your wallets and in your lives, with love for others. This is John Stern. And now you know the whole story. Good day. Amen.